I was um, talk, talking with God this morning, just as I was preparing myself, and uh, I always want to know where God wants to take us when I'm preaching. And um, he told me really clearly that he wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, if you know me, that's not, not no great surprise, but... Um, I just wanted to underline that, that what I said, that Holy Spirit, getting filled with the Holy Spirit is not just like putting petrol in your tank. I think we've used those analogies in the past, which is that it's a bit, it's a purpose orientated, but actually the, the person of the Holy Spirit is, is the same God as Jesus. Yeah? This is, you're looking a bit blank at me, I'm hoping this is... This is straightforward. This is really, really important part of Christianity. You know, the Trinity, the Trinity is an important part of Christianity. Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus. Now we have to get that. And if Jesus was here today, in physical person, I think he would be uh, shoving and fighting to get to the front of the queue to be with him. At least I hope you would. It would be kind of strange, wouldn't it, if, if actually Jesus actually walked through in physical form and you just sat there, sort of, oh yeah, he's here. <laughs> it's kind of indifferent. Oh yeah, somebody's going, and, and, you know, and some people wouldn't know to have a chat with him. And, and you thought, yeah. And at the end of the meeting, you, you left and you said, well, Jesus came to the meeting today. And that would be really impressive. You'd have a really impressive story to tell somebody. Jesus turned up at North Kent Community Church this morning. <laughs> but, if you don't do the relational bit, you've missed the opportunity. You were just part of an occasion. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. When, when he comes, you have an opportunity to... to, to now, he's here all the time. I know he is. There's no difference. Every day you have an opportunity in your personal life. But there are moments in, in church life and in meetings when you think, oh, all of a sudden, actually, something just happened. And I, you know, Paul and I were just saying, actually, this, this, God's in this. There, there's something happens in a meeting. And it's important to actually be able to discern those moments when you've got an opportunity to, to do something specific. And, uh, and today's such a moment. And um, I've... I, I've been saying it for a long time. It's really important that we don't have a lesser view of the Holy Spirit than we do of Jesus and the Father. No. And I think one of the problems is, is, is familiarity. You know, familiarity. Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit. We're going to have one of those Holy Spirit times. And, yeah, I'm not too worried. I did that last week. I can pass on that one. They'll probably do it again next week. You just It's that sense of you can get familiar. And that was the problem they had in Nazareth, wasn't it? Seriously, I'm just throwing it out there. The problem they had at Nazareth, Nazareth was familiarity. So when, he, when Jesus turned up at Nazareth and he started to teach them, and they said, wow, he's amazing teaching, and he does miracles. And then they said, where did he get this stuff from? That's, that's, it's in Mark chapter 6. Read the, read, the, read the passage in Mark 6. So they, they acknowledge that he teaches, they acknowledge us miracles, and they say, where did he get this from? And then they, say, they, they, they start to... to, to work through their familiarity with Jesus. They say, well, well, we know his mum, and I don't think she taught him how to do that. We know his brothers and sisters, and they don't do it. Um, he's a carpenter, isn't he? So he makes 
chairs and stuff. Uh, where's this stuff fit in? And I, I think in their, in their minds, they said, well, he didn't get it here. And it says, it's interesting, if you read through that passage of Scripture, it says, and they took offense at him. And the people who were most familiar with Jesus, because he'd spent most of his life with them, were the ones who took offense at him when he showed them something different about himself. And, that's, that's, and the, end, the end result was, it says that he couldn't do many miracles there. So I don't really want to be in a place where Holy Spirit turns up and actually he can't do many miracles. Because we're so familiar with him. See, I could say we would do a fire tunnel at the end of the meeting. You go, yeah, fire tunnel, yeah. That's a good way to end a meeting. You know, you can walk through a fire tunnel and be untouched. If you don't engage. This is not in the sermon notes, by the way. I just know what, I'm not going to go in here, so I just think I'm just... It's really important. I, I, I've been, I thought Kim did an excellent job last week of, of talking about friendship with God. And it's worth, worth going online if you've not, not listened to that. Then, and of just hanging out with him. Hanging out with God. So, Anyway, those are, those are thoughts. Um, I've got no idea how I'm going to do this sermon. It's not going to fit, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but I, I've been praying and thinking this week and just... Um, and our daughter was, uh, I was with my, our daughter yesterday, and, and we were just chatting and saying, the world is a crazy place at the moment, is it not? If you look, look at the world news, it is, it is a crazy, alarming place. It really is. There's stuff going on, you're thinking, wow. You know, we, we prayed about the Iraq situation last week. It was good to join together, and we, we need to make sure we keep but there's also they're thinking what's happened in um, Ukraine airliners dropping out of the sky and being shot out of the sky what's happening in Israel and Gaza there's, there's stuff going on in the world you think this is, this is and even stuff in our own personal lives and context you know there's, there's some stuff going on and it's, it's been interesting I, you know it's only Three weeks ago that Bill Johnson was, was, was here on, on a Sunday morning. Now, I tell you, a lot's happened in three weeks. Has a lot happened in your life in three weeks? Yeah. And I, th- I was counting up, I think in the four or five days that Bill Johnson was with us in the conferences in the church, I think we had the best part of 200 people healed. Now, who's going to try and take us away from that? Who's going to try and rob you of that memory? Who's going to try and rob you of that joy? <clears throat> but do that stuff. I, there's other stuff that's been popping up in my life. I just think, where did that come from? You know, there's just stuff going on. I thought, wow. And it just made me think, we do have an enemy, don't we? That it, it would be nice if Christianity was just a one-way street. With nothing coming the other way. I, I, I love what... I love... I can't remember if it was here or in Harrogate where Bill Johnson said something. He said that if you don't run into a demon from, uh, from time to time, you're probably walking in the same direction as them. <laughs> I thought, well, that is true. 
not running into spiritual opposition from time to time. You might be walking in the wrong direction. So it's no surprise, is it? So, and the devil is a thief, a liar, and a destroyer. Okay? So he will try and rob you of blessing, he will try and destroy the goodness of God, and he will, he will, he will introduce lies into your life that take away the truth, which removes your freedom. Because <coughs> freedom and, and truth go together, okay? Truth leads you into freedom, does it not? So, so I think, and if we look around the world, freedom is, is being challenged. Is it not? And if you look at um, what's happening in, in Iraq in particular, you think, what is behind that? And it's just, I don't, I'm going to be straightforward, it's just evil. You know, I think you might as well call it as it is, it's evil. Where does that come from? Well, we know where it comes from, don't we? And it's really important you identify where it comes from to, so you know what to do about it. Um, so I want to read out Ephesians chapter 6, if we can. Okay, so, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I'm going to comment as I go actually. See, the devil has schemes. It's not, it's not random events. All right, the, the devil just doesn't do things randomly. He actually schemes. So he has, plan, he has plans and he has plans to, 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 to try and rob us of, of the goodness of God. Okay? And what the, what the Bible tells us is that to not be unaware of those plans. So that's what I'm trying to get at today. I want some awareness to happen because once you're aware, you know what to do about it. Now, what the Bible says is that we're not unaware of the devil's plans. Now, unfortunately, that's not always true for us. But I think sometimes we are unaware. So we need to get aware. So the devil has schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, again, you can go away and study this, but it talks about a struggle, okay? So there is a struggle. And it's worth identifying where the root of that struggle is, and it's not people. Our job is to love people regardless. That doesn't mean to say we have to like what they're doing. But actually, we don't get anywhere by hating people. But I do hate the works of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. So I'm taking up his work. If I'm to do the works of Jesus, then my, my, this, this defines it. It's destroying the works of the devil. And it's he who brings sickness and ill health, so I'm going to bring healing. Okay, that's why healing fits into this. Healing is not just a, another nice bit in, in, in a, a Christian service. When, when you're praying for somebody who's sick, you're, you're actually doing spiritual battle to overcome something that was introduced into the world by the devil. It's really important we, we get that. So that we're, we're, we're doing battle. We've got struggles, and some of it is a struggle. And it talks about these 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 demonic forces that they are rulers and I wanted to say that they are used to ruling in certain areas sometimes geographically and they might be used to ruling in certain areas of your life as well now when, when, when I teach about spiritual warfare I say the greatest spiritual warfare you will ever face is internal not external 
You have to win your internal battle to be really good at the external battle. And um, <clears throat> they like ruling. And I, I remember back when I first started to work in France, it, it came home to me because I visited, uh, Kim and I visited a, um, the Huguenot Museum in the South France called the Musée du Désert, which means Museum of the Wilderness. And I know some of you have been there as well. Um, and on the walls at that stage in this museum, and it's, they don't have these maps up anymore, they had two maps of France side by side. And they had basically uh, the number of Protestant churches in France on each map. And one was before the Catholic persecution, one was after the Catholic persecution of Bartholomew's Day Massacre and all sorts of senior history. Um, and because Calvin was originally in France and the Reformation actually had a root in France and, and it was exploding across France. And there was this map on the wall and it had all these Protestant churches, Reformed churches if you like, in, in France and they were scattered all across France. Then after <coughs> the persecution, and um, there's, there's a lot of history behind that, on, on the map there were just a handful of churches left. Reformed church, just a handful. And I looked at this and I thought, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe that. You know, I had to think, what do I believe? Because I've always believed in a victorious church. You know, a, a church that can't be stopped. Well, when you see that, you think, oh, well, something happened. Something happened that stopped that. And again, if you read in, in um, the book of Ezra, you know, the work of God comes to a standstill. Something happened that can bring things to a standstill. And we need to be aware of things that will bring things to a standstill. And what I realized when I started to work in France was that the, the, the evil forces, if you like, the rulers of spiritual rulers that had done that best part of five centuries ago still ruled in France and then I had to do battle with them and we did and, and, took them on. and actually as I started to establish a network of churches in France I even had um, times when I was attacked in my own bed by demons who come across to get me it wasn't a lot of fun but I thought well I I don't know, learnt from Smith Wigglesworth. I'm not quite as blasé as him. Oh, it's, just, oh, it's just you. But, um, but actually, I thought, I have, I have power over them. Why? Because actually, who, who's inside me? Who inside me is greater than anything that can ever come against me. And they have got authority, they have power, and they, 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 they're used to using these things. And um, it says, therefore, what's our response? Therefore, put on the full armour of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. So God has provided stuff for us so that we can stand, but it's up to us to put it on. Does that make sense to you? So here's the reality. If you don't put your armor on, I'm not sure who else is going to. Now, people might come around you, but actually you have a responsibility for putting your armour on. <coughs> and the armour, and I remember preaching through this, we you know, did weeks' worth of, 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 of sermons on the armour of God, so I'm going to sort of just really blitz through some, some ideas on that. But I think it's really important that we understand that, that God has provided something for us that enables us to withstand, and then not just in our personal lives, to then make a stand to change the world. Okay, can we change the world? Yeah, we can. And um, I loved a Facebook post this week, which was actually talking about praying for right, saying actually, remember there was a guy called Saul who got knocked off his donkey. 
He was the greatest persecutor of Christians at one time. And yet God took hold of him and he became one of the greatest apostles that has ever lived. Can that happen again? Can God do that? Yes, he can. Can God turn it around? Yes, he can. How's that going to happen? Well, we need heaven coming down because that's what happened to Saul. He met with God. And it can happen again and again and again. And we can play, I believe we can play a part in that in our world as we actually get a hold of what it means to stand with our armour on and then it goes on to pray. So it says, okay, so um, put on the full armour of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist with the... Next page. Breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish how many of the flaming arrows? All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So let's see what I can do with that in ten minutes. Okay, so, belt of truth buckled around your waist. Okay, truth brings freedom. Don't compromise truth. Okay, don't compromise it. And trust the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth, because there is more truth for you to discover. Truth is not, not, not a finite thing. Yeah? Is there more for you to discover? Or do you know it all already? Now, there's more to discover. So who's going to lead you into all truth? The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. As he does so, you become better and better equipped. The breastplate of righteousness... Oh, sorry, just on the last one. Who is the truth, by the way? Okay, so truth is, this is, this is again an important theological, because we can think of truth as a concept. Jesus took hold of concepts and personalized them. He says, I'm the truth. Not just, there is truth out there. Jesus is the truth. So if you want to, want to really get this belt untight and, and, and hold on to it, actually, Jesus is your truth. So what did Jesus, what does Jesus look like? If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. He's the, he's the truth. Righteousness. Now, ooh, such a great, Great topic this. Are you righteous? Yes. I'll do that again. <laughs> Are you righteous? Yes. Yeah, okay. What does that mean? It means that you're not guilty. That there's no shame for you to be had. One of the greatest tactics that the devil has is to make you feel guilty and ashamed. Now, if you do wrong, then do something about it. But actually... You shouldn't actually live with a sense of guilt and shame as your daily life. Why? Because it's a denial of what Jesus has done. Has Jesus taken all your sin away? You can look happy about it. Honestly, you can. Honestly, it really is. It's, it's very, very good news, this. I, I, yeah. I wake up in the morning and think, this is good news. I, I'm righteous. Amen. Not many of you getting this yet. They will get, they will get, it, get it eventually. Rachel, they're going to get it, aren't they, Rachel? Yes. <laughs> okay. Is it possible to wake up not feeling guilty and ashamed? Yeah. It, should it be normal? Yes. If it's not normal for you, you're being robbed. Because you are righteous. Because Jesus has made you that way. 
If you don't get that, then you, you have landing grounds for devil's lies. And that's dangerous for you. Okay, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We've got a gospel of peace. Now, what does that mean? It talks about the shalom. It's the, it's the whole well-being of God that you have to offer. You know when, when Jesus said, right, when you go, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give your peace. Yeah? Give your peace. It's really a problem to give it if you haven't got it. If you don't have a sense of peace, it's really tricky because that's what you're meant to be giving away. That's what you have to offer to the world. Okay, so, so does the world need peace? A sense of a whole well-being, you know, not just, not just a bit of lack of war, but actually, is there more than that? Well, who's got it to give? We have. We've got, we've got the answer to give. And Jesus said, this is, as you go, this is what you give away. You give away peace. And now, I would suggest to you that, that if we get hold of the gospel fully, you will understand and enjoy peace beyond measure. Because you will understand, not only are your sins forgiven, but that you've been raised to a new life. Yeah? Have you got a new life? Okay, you've been raised to be seated with him in heavenly places. So what perspective can you have upon earthly reality? You can have, you can be, the, you are seated there. So if you actually take your rightful place spiritually, you can look down and you can discern what is going on. And then you can direct heaven's resources to it. Okay. Good, isn't it? There were times when we were battling for, to get this building out of the ground uh, and specifically in August 2012, and Dave Stevens knows about this as much as anybody else, but, and on my birthday, on that, I remember it well, I spent all day battling because we were coming up against the blocks and there was a serious danger actually that, that, that it wouldn't happen. And I, I, I was praying, and I, I had to step back, and I said to God, what is going on? And I had to step back out of the, 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 just the physical circumstances, and he showed me what was going on behind the scenes spiritually. He showed me the spirits that were at work to stop us getting this building. And once I'd seen that, I took authority over them and drove them out, and then we started to make progress. Now, again, a week, about a week later, I had to do it again because another spirit came up. But once we did that, we got breakthrough, we got our contract, and we started to actually be able to build. But, see, there is, there's a spiritual reality that we don't see that's the unseen realm. And if, if all you can see is, is, is the circumstances of life without seeing behind it, then actually it's very difficult to deal with the real problems. Okay? So, <clears throat> we have a peace that changes atmospheres. When you walk in somewhere, you should change its atmosphere for the better. Again, I've got loads of stories I could t- teach you about that. But actually, you know, what atmosphere do you carry with you? Well, we, we can carry the atmosphere of heaven with us very deliberately, wherever we go, wherever we are. Take up the shield of faith. I haven't got time to talk about that in great detail. Um, do you know, faith is, is this. I've just jotted it down. It's trusting God in every circumstance. Faith in God is trusting him no matter what. When I don't understand stuff, I still trust him. You know, now, I have a rant every now and then. God, I don't. There's not saying I'm enjoying every circumstance. And God and I have quite, a, quite an open relationship. And I will rant. And, 
Um, I think that's what happened in the, the Psalms. But at the end of it, I get down to I always get to the end and I say, okay, God, I trust you. Because that's what faith does. Without that, I'm going to be struggling. And that's a, that, that shield of faith enables me to extinguish whatever the devil throws my way. Okay? Uh, helmet of salvation. Oh, my goodness, there's so much to say. I want, I'm going to land on something, but I want to talk about something that was actually relevant to our nation just a few years ago. Because um, I think we can look out at, at the circumstances going on in other nations and, and, and think, well, I'm glad it doesn't happen here. And I'm really glad it doesn't happen here. Yeah? In some senses. But if you go back into the, the 1980s, then actually in Northern Ireland, it did happen here. It, it, and there were bombs in London, there were bombs in Birmingham, there were bombs in... Up north, where is it? Warrington. Warrington. It happened, didn't it? Do you see what I mean? There were atrocities. And, and for the people who lived in Northern Ireland, that was, that was their daily existence. So it, it's not that long since it actually happened as part of the United Kingdom. Well, I want to talk, read that story. Um, and some of you will be familiar with this, and some of you might not. It's, the, it's about the man, a man called Gordon Wilson. Now, on the 8th of, 19, 8th of November 1987... A bomb was planted by the Provisional IRA and it exploded during Ennis Gillen's Remembrance Day parade. Right. We've just got to go get your kids. Please do go get them then. So actually, a bomb exploded amongst a group of people who were gathered for Remembrance Day. That's pretty wicked, isn't it? Evil. A man called Gordon Wilson was injured and alongside him was his daughter Marie, a nurse. They, they were buried in rubble and unable to move. They were lying side by side and Gordon Wilson held the hand of his daughter and comforted her as she lay dying. Her last words were, Daddy, I love you very much. Five minutes later, five minutes later rescuers pulled Wilson and his daughter out from under the collapsed building Marie never regained consciousness and died later in hospital. In an, in an interview with the BBC, Wilson described with anguish his last conversation with his daughter and his feelings toward, the, toward her killers. She held my hand tightly and gripped me as hard as she could. She said, Daddy, I love you very much. Those were her exact words to me, and those were the last words I ever heard her say. To the astonishment of listeners, Wilson went on to add, but I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. She was a great wee lassie. She loved her profession. She was a pet. She's in heaven and we shall meet again. I will pray for those men tonight and every night. Historian Jonathan Barden recounts, no words in more than 25 years of violence in Northern Ireland had had such a powerful emotional impact. 25 years of conflict. And then one man's response. And this is what it goes on to say. His response was reported worldwide and became the most remembered quotation from the Troubles. Whereas many RARA attacks in Northern Ireland and many resulted in reprisals by loyalists, Wilson's cause for forgiveness and reconciliation came to be called the spirit of Enniskillen. They came to, to, to usher in a different spirit. The BBC would later describe the bombing as a turning point in the Troubles 
because the attack took the, shook the IRA to its core. Pivotal to the change in attitude towards this sort of attack was Wilson's reaction to the death of his daughter. The 60-year-old publicly forgave those who had planted the bomb and said he would pray for them. He also begged that no one took revenge for Marie's death and pleaded with loyalists not to do so. And I wanted to say that, that it's interesting that looking back in history, one man's response brought about a whole change. Now, there were other circumstances in that. And I wanted to just challenge you and I to actually be that one person wherever we are. And also, actually, as we join together, I believe we can bring heaven's atmosphere into this world. And it's not, we're not restricted geographically, are we? Because the Holy Spirit isn't. So I'd like us to stand again and pray. Will you do that with me? Apologies, this has been a bit of a quick whiz through, but... Are we the light of the world? Okay. So what are we confronting? Darkness. So let's shine the light, shall we? And it says at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. You can just bring it up, Dave. Okay. Next one. Be alert. Okay, be alert to what's going on. And always keep on praying. And it says specifically that you keep praying for the Lord's people. Why is that? Is it because they're they're suffering more no it's actually because actually the Lord's people in Iraq are the light of the world and as we pray for them and God releases heaven's resources into their lives then the light goes on and darkness has to flee yeah? so, so this is why it's important we keep on praying for the Lord's people not just the generation the situation generally but actually we pray for the churches in those places and and uh, the Christians there. Why? Not just so that they survive, although we want that, but actually so that they become the light that throws back the darkness. Okay? So let's, let's, let's pray and, and uh, we'll finish by praying and pouring out our hearts. Whatever way seems helpful to you, whether you want to do it in English, in tongues, whether you want to kneel, sit, lie, whether you want to do it with somebody else, then let's take a few minutes and then we'll, we'll break, okay?